0: There are so many podcasts in the world, and not enough time to listen to them.
1: Some sound professionally made, some sound like a hot mess, and some just sound made up.
0: On our show, we invite a guest to bring a lesser-known podcast they've recently been listening to. But here's the catch.
1: It doesn't exist. We use this information as the suggestion for an improv show. And in the editing room, we make the improvised podcast sound as real as possible.
2: And that's how it works.
1: This is Made Up Talk Show. Well, hi! Oh my gosh, Mark! Hey, of hey. all the people that I wouldn't expect to see today, you are at the middle of my list.
0: What are the odds, Jessica? How the heck are you? Give me, give me two sentences.
1: Um. Okay. Oh, the pressure! I feel like how Red how red, red, red. Oh my gosh, I've, Richard, uh, Richard! Oh, Richard!
0: Oh no! I'm <laughs> so spiraling. sorry, Jessica. He'll be back one uh, somebody of these had days. To spiral. You somebody have to be strong. Spiral. Be strong for Richard. Somebody
1: had to spiral. Uh, okay. I need a new dentist. Period. Oh. Uh, I need it bad. Dang. Second period. Uh, great. And uh, how? How about you yourself, there, Marky boy?
0: Let's see. Um, my girlfriend went to work in the office for the first Whoa, time. Oh la la. Period. So it's just been me and the animals all day. Period.
1: Wow, nice. Uh that sounds very good. Uh before we introduce our fabulous guest, uh we have a segment on this show. Now, as we all know, Mark was forced to crush a cyanide tooth because he mm-hmm. went over his time uh describing his dream. Uh, I've got more uh, on that
0: after this. More sequence, recent but...
1: <laughs> episode. But uh I'm afraid we have to give you a new segment, Mark, because you have a new segment. I'm going
0: to bring my gripes up now. So listeners, (laughs) as everyone knows, because I'm sure you listened to the last episode, I went barely over the allotted time by saying, oh, no. I personally believe that that should not be part of the description. <laughs> well, of I'll the have dream. to amend
1: that to my letter I wrote to your beloved mother, sister, oh, and girlfriend no. that I have had to write in, in regards to your cyanide tooth. But this new segment that we are okay. introducing today is called Mark's Grandfatherly Advice. Uh, so in okay. the in 30 seconds, I'm going to need you to give me as much grandfatherly advice you have you can give me based on your own life and your own experience. Uh, and uh, and that's that's it. Uh, no other caveats. Uh, but again. And if you go over the line, uh, I will have to become your executor and I will take all of your worldly possessions after that cyanide tooth goes. So nothing for the dog, nothing for the cat, nothing for the girlfriend. It all goes to me.
0: <laughs> and, and sorry, could you remind uh, the audience and also me what, what I get out of <laughs> <laughs> giving this advice within
1: thirty seconds. Um, I will support uh, a decision that you make one hundred percent, regardless of any other personal experience uh, or feeling that I have.
0: Oh, And nice. uh, I'll
1: invite you to my Oscar party. Oh
0: hell yeah! Okay, yeah, I'm in. Let's do this. All right, ready. <laughs> the risk is worth the reward.
1: <laughs> Three, two, one. Grandfatherly advice, please go.
0: Just open a savings account. It doesn't matter how much money you put in to start. Just put in something. Make some interest. You know, make a plan, uh, whether it's about that savings account or not. Uh, you're not always going to hit your milestones, your benchmarks. Don't let that get you down. Uh, you know, progress, not perfection. Uh, you know, if you make a plan to, you know, put $5 in your account every month and you don't hit it some months, don't beat yourself up over it. Just pick yourself up again and never say, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, damn it. What the oh, no. fuck are you doing? What? I... I goodness, was, it was supposed I to be a, to, it was supposed to be to, a joke i, I, I added I, the I, don't never say oh I, no but as a I, joke as an homage what happened oh, last time i, I didn't have think to
1: believe that you i even I, counted down with my little lily white fingies. I, I, I was in Look, the zone
0: i was in the grandpa zone. i will be
1: speaking to my lawyer right. who is my mother well, about drawing up well, documents to make everything too. you own mine all right let's i think
0: next episode i want to double or nothing
1: Oh, all right, fine. Dreams and grandpa advice,
0: all in 30 <laughs> seconds.
1: Well, we can't get into that now because we have to welcome our most honored guest, mm. Katie Hartman. She's coming to us from the heartland of upstate New York. Hello, welcome. Hello. How Katie, how's it going? Thank oh you! My what gosh. a greeting! I'm so
2: happy to be here. Oh,
1: so happy to have you, Katie. Oh, what a champion! Katie is a what we call a fringe darling, mm-hmm. uh, someone who is well known upon those trodden boards uh, for such shows as uh, Legend of White Woman Creek, Edgar Allan, uh, the sequel to Edgar Allan, which is called Poe, I believe. Am I right? No, called Poe. Oh no, called what's it called? Called it's called. Uh, Oh, my God. Edipo, Edipo, Edipo. Thank you, thank you. I got it. I we're, got there. I got there. We're
2: working on the third act. That's that's Ooh. brand new news. Just
0: Exclusi. Exclusive. We got Exclusi. Right, oh Katie, gosh, you have, have to, to not tell Exclusive. anyone for three weeks while we edit this episode. This is very important to us. No
1: problem. No problem. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's great. Uh, so Katie trucks in the historical. Uh, she... She is a phenomenal performer, a beautiful singer, a fun friend so many positive attributes and adjectives for you, Katie.
0: And I do want to, uh, hey. I want to lead in. Yeah, that's that real nice. Uh, I want to lead with a little question here. So Jessica, you use the term uh, fringe darling, by which we don't mean, you know, uh, a, a darling on the fringe of like, you know, societal taboos or anything. We're referring to fringe festivals. Uh, Katie, can you tell us a little bit about what a fringe festival is? Maybe what it means to you.
2: Well, I'll tell you what we have in common with oh. some people. Um, we uh, we we have radical ideas about. Mm-hmm. Uh, who we are and how we should interact with each other our radical ideas as fringe artists happens to be that we should um share our art with each other and be rad and share radical kindness that is as a fringe as a fringe artist uh we're we're a generous bunch but but i I would say that the exclusively um fringe festival artists are we create minimalist Mm. productions and um Fringe festivals are really, they're they're lowercase d democratic festivals where... um, No party
0: affiliation, but...
2: Lowercase d, lowercase d, democracy, um, democratic, um, where we, uh, it's, they are, they're festivals for independent creatives to come together and produce their art in a cooperative place It's usually multiple venues over two weeks. It can be shorter. It's usually anywhere from like a three day weekend to two weeks long, um, where basically it's fringe festivals are performing arts festivals that are known for being highly accessible, both to artists and audience in their price point and production costs. So, yeah
1: fantastic and And you're doing the cincinnati fringe right now right
2: i am that's my new baby i am the producer of the 19th annual cincinnati fringe festival which is going to take place june 3rd through june 18th in the beautiful over the rhine neighborhood of cincinnati ohio yeah wait fantastic
0: do you two have you ever hung out together in cincinnati because jessica that's where you're from too right
1: we're gonna. We're we gonna. are gonna. gonna. We have to. we are gonna. This is we haven't yet. This has been
2: Got it. yeah. This is this is a touchstone for us in that I love Cincinnati and have never lived there.
1: Mm-hmm. And I lived there and have never loved Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Cincinnati, you're great. I'm kidding. Uh, well, I at the upcoming one, uh, which is in say that say the date again. June third through the eighteenth. I will find a way to get there. Oh, I yeah. will find a way. I will hitch a uh, whatever critter I need to hitch to get there. Uh, whatever human being I need to hitch mm-hmm. to get there. I hear you need to be married to fly these days. Uh, I believe so
2: there is. I've taken the dollar bus from Lower Manhattan to Cincinnati before. Wow, the that must have been what $1. like thirty hours. It was. 10 it was harrowing uh it, it
1: goes fast it goes very fast i can't drive that in 10 hours really i don't I, to it, me it's always it leaves at midnight that's how. okay I, there we go yeah. there we go there we go all right all right okay wow okay these are fantastic ways to travel <laughs> Uh, so when you are not producing uh, award-winning Fringe Festival shows, uh, are you? Do you consume podcasts? Are you a podcast listener? I am. I am.
2: Um, I. I'm more on. It's how I get my facts. I. I really love the Ezra Klein show. I get a lot of good stuff from the Ezra Klein show. I'm a big fan of On Being.
0: What? What is On Being?
2: I'm so glad you asked. It's. Uh, it's on spirituality and faith hmm. in and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really beautiful podcast. Um, it, it, it will, it will pick you, it'll pick you up and make you believe in love and humans again. Um, the other one that I really like is, uh, it's called musing mind. It's about consciousness culture and the 21st century. Um, and of course the more you poke,
1: oh wait this hmm, isn't this is, a, this is huh. one that we've never heard of before well why don't you oh, of course mark had not heard of on being as well but this one
0: <laughs> I, I don't think i've heard of any of those podcasts actually <laughs> but, so but I especially uh, haven't heard of especially haven't you heard po. of
1: the more you the more, what, or on but what did we say it was the more you poe wow so tell us about this podcast katie oh
2: the more you poe oh it's it's amazing um it is all about edgar Allan poe And all of the modern scholarship, Hmm. all of the modern scholarship on Edgar Allan Poe, by uh, all all of the nerdiest
1: literati in the world. Wow! Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I, I as we have both said, we've never heard of it. So, should we go ahead and take a listen, Mark?
0: Hell yeah! Let's do it.
2: You're listening to the More You Poe Modern Scholarship on the great 19th century American Titan. Brought to you by Dr. Clarissa Smith-Johnson, master's in literary scholarship from the University of Virginia, president of the Private Detective Agency Club, doctorate in accounting and podcasts from Wyndham University, and accomplished ghost hawk hunters in the Green Mountains of Vermont. Modern scholarship on the 19th century American author, literary critic, and gothic titan. The more you pose, Good morning, and welcome to The More You Poe. It's a beautiful day in the 21st century, looking back at the 19th century, and our icon, author, critic, scholar, believer in the human soul, the father of darkness, Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe. My name is Clarissa Smith Johnson, and you are listening to The More You Poe, where so happy to have on our show today leading scholar marianne ferngrass from the university of bremen and later it's on a,
1: it's a pleasure oh sorry I, did, I didn't know i wasn't supposed to speak I, i'm supposed to wait until we're done with the introduction uh no, miss Smith johnson doctor it's such a pleasure
2: having you on the show
1: oh uh, well um it's such a pleasure to be here um I come from a long line of fern grasses. Uh, my great-great-great-grandmother, uh, Virginia Ferngrass, was was actually a contemporary to Poe. Uh, as you know, his father abandoned the family in 1810 to to be with my great 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 grandmother. Uh, it was uh, she was known as uh, as the Hussy Ferngrass. Uh, there was actually a, a ma a, a, a contemporary poem written about her. Uh, her bloomers were wide, her fanny was fat, and wherever the beasts were, that woman was at. Uh, and so, as you can tell. <laughs> Uh, I have a close connection uh, to Edgar Allan Poe, uh, although I am not related to him because uh, she had already had her children by the time uh, Poe's father left her for my for my kin.
2: Doctor Ferngrass, that is a fascinating origin story for your family and the Poes. Now, how long have you been studying? The work of Edgar Allan Poe. I believe your thesis was on oh, Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. It was on—well, I, I was an officer cadet at West Point, where, as you know, Poe went. Uh, so I went there, and I made it my, my personal uh, journey and life's work to find every place where he sat and sit where he sat. So upon the great cannons that overlook the water, uh, upon the, uh, the sweetheart's walk where they walk around and neck in the woods— uh, I, 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 I I I necked where Poe necked. I sat where Poe sat. And so my thesis my thesis was on was on his death. His his very controversial death, as we all know. Oh very
2: controversial. Now very uh, and most of it is conjecture, as you know. We we can't prove we can't prove what led to Poe's untimely demise, nor what Beautiful poetry and short stories that he might have brought us, or and possibly diplomacy.
1: Yes, diplomacy. Uh, uh, memoirs. Uh, 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 plays. Fiction. We'll never know. Of, oh, it is. It is a tragedy, of of the first order um i actually have brought in if you don't mind i I have a connection to a doctor on the line um i i i I do i'm doing as you know i'm continued my 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 thesis work part of my doctoral work um i have dr uh nodstrom on the phone here to to uh to talk about what he how he believes poe died if you wouldn't mind me patching him through dr nodstrom please Uh, hey hey can you hear me uh, Dr. Nordstrom, uh, I'll, hang on, let me patch you through. Can you uh, hear me? Uh, uh, cl- uh, Ms. Smith-Johnston, can you, hear, can you hear him? Can you hear him? Nordstrom? I can hear you.
2: I can hear you, Dr. Nordstrom. Thank you for joining us. Oh,
0: ex- excellent. Thank you both very much for having me. Uh, very excited to be talking about the mysterious circumstances uh, behind Edgar Allan Poe's faked death. Oh.
2: Faked death, my God uh,
0: Controversial, Dr. Nordstrom. Well, I don't believe so. I believe when you look at the evidence, uh, it's very clear. Well, I guess it kind of depends on your version or your, your definition of, uh, of necromancy, uh, the dark arts, black magic. Uh, I study dancing skeletons, uh, popularized in a lot of uh, uh, you know, Mexican folk art, Dia de los Muertes type stuff. Also, a lot of Betty Boop animations will have dancing <laughs> skeletons. Um, and mm, indeed, I, I I'm glad to hear another uh, dancing skeleton appreciator. Uh, I I believe uh, what happened was uh, Poe, this father of darkness, as as he is known, this visionary, uh, that creative power could not be contained by the grasp of death. And that uh, his skeleton jumped out of his skin um, when people believed that he had passed. And that he, uh, he is still among us. Uh, that you can find, you know, at like nightclubs that don't turn off uh, their, their ghost light at night.
1: I, I believe there's a, a rather famous folkloric poem about the skeleton of of Poe. Uh, if I can, if I may recite it. Uh, Clarissa, oh, please do. do. You mind? Please do. Dr. Uh, yes.
0: His
1: skele, his skeleton clatters, and oh, what a fright! Uh, I sense an attraction to this man of might. He's dark and he's sultry, and I am a flutter. Uh, I hear the name Poe on his lips that he mutters. Uh, that is, I've heard that in the nightclubs, and the disco bars, uh, mm. I, and I, uh, I, I I, didn't know it was that Poe. I actually thought it was my great-great-great-grandmother Poe, who, of course, took the name of Mr. Alan Poe's father uh, before, uh, when he left her to be with my great-great-grandmother. So, uh, I, and now I think that does relate to this story.
0: Yeah, you, you bring that up a lot, Dr. Ferngrass. The, um, The romantic, sort of less-than-legal... Uh, relationship between between your, uh, your own ancestors. A man ancestors
1: can to- be a bigamist. A man has a right to be a bigamist,
0: sir. I, you know, I, I, I'm I, not making, I don't want to make a value judgment on that. I'm just saying, you know, yeah, look, Marianne, you're one of my best friends, Uh, you know. Chris,
1: we agreed not to talk about this anymore. I'm allowed to bring up my great-great-grandma. I want, great-great-grandma, um, I uh,
0: want but- to talk about uh, this.
2: Uh,
1: <laughs> oh, look, we can talk about
2: Dr. Oh, sorry, sorry. oh, oh my goodness How... Perhaps I can bring us back to your original touchstone Dr. Ferngrass West Point You said this is where you fell in love with Edgar Allan Poe and I happen to think that this was a very provocative period of Poe's life He was actually known uh, Well there is legend has it legend Now I know that we don't like to um traverse in controversy and legend but legend has it that at west point edgar allan poe as he was known there you know as edgar perry uh yes that he he showed up to drill completely buck naked you could see his skeleton <laughs>
1: Well, uh, that that I I have heard this story and of course I knew it as I was there and I have tried to do some nighttime orb photography, uh, as we all know, uh, which is where you take a photograph and see what the what orbs come up and you may find uh, yourself surprised to find the the measure of a man and I will tell you I found Poe's balls in one of my nighttime orb photographies, and and I sold it uh, to uh, to a uh, a website, and uh, they told me that the check was in the mail, and I'm still waiting.
0: How long ago was that?
1: That was in 1999.
0: So it should be any day now.
1: Should be any day. I'm still waiting, Doctor Smith Johnson. Uh, I'm your your own views are controversial as well. Uh, not perhaps not as controversial as uh, Doctor Nordstrom, but don't but you take have s- that tone. with <laughs> I will me. take whatever tone with you, <laughs> you I want. I, oh. Every night was like this. Uh, But uh, you've said quite a lot about uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, being uh, actually much shorter than than historical documents have claimed.
2: Oh, certainly, certainly. I know that he was known for being 5'7", but I believe that he was actually (laughs) a squat 5'2". I don't... Mm. I, I, I just don't think that his shoe measurement actually measures up to to the, the, the cock and balls orb that you have suggested. <laughs>
1: respectfully, yes, it was Dr. Fur- respectfully. <laughs> and I respectfully reply, I didn't want to say anything, but based on the positioning of where it was standing, there's no way that cock and balls belonged to a five foot seven man.
2: Well... Respectfully, I think that that's perhaps why he was indeed discharged from the service
1: at West Point. Well, he when when he was tried for gross neglect of duty and disobedience of orders for retent- refusing to attend formations, it was probably because he was trying to wear higher and higher heels.
0: I I do want to quickly interject. I know we've been arguing a bit, but Marianne your photographic memory of details of Edgar Allan <laughs> Poe's life never ceased to amaze me.
1: Well, Dr. Nordstrom, your reverence for his skellington has also amazed me over the years. So credit where credit's
0: due. Indeed, my old friend. <laughs> indeed. indeed.
1: Dr. Nordstrom, can you
2: can you speak more? Now your Your level of expertise, your area of expertise with Edgar Allan Poe happens to be in cryptography. Can you speak more and and tell our listeners more about your studies?
0: Uh, Yes, the cryptography for which I profess is not necessarily the uh, submission and solving of ciphers, the hobby that EAP uh, was so famous for. I go to crypts, burial grounds, and tombs. I'll go from the witching hour until the break of dawn. You're like uh, you're my contemporary Dr. Ferngrass, I'll go with a camera, uh, but rather than you're trying to get photographs of orbs, my aim, the outcome I'm looking for, is to see a real live dancing skeleton um, and prove my thesis. Uh, they've laughed me out of academia uh i suppose i was never formally allowed there to begin with um but it is my
1: where did you get your doc- your doctorate from remind me
0: <laughs> i played the classic game boy game dr mario and i beat that with a perfect score
1: which automatically confers upon you a doctorate uh, that's right that's
0: that right. screen that shows up every time you solve a puzzle and that is the credentials that I require in my uh, field of study. And tell
2: us more about that beautiful. thesis.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. The thesis is dancing skeletons are mm, real.
1: Beautiful. And yet controversial. It
0: shouldn't be. I, you know, let me tell you something, uh, doctors. I think we can prove all of our theses at once. If we can get the skeleton of actual Edgar Allan Poe, first off, we measure that bad boy from skull to toe bone or heel bone, get a five foot two measurement out of there. Boom. Dr. Smith Johnson, your thesis is confirmed. Indeed. And then we take a picture of it and we superimpose that, uh, Dr. Ferngrass, over your picture of the hovering uh, cock and balls. Uh, I and don't
1: if- have it anymore. I sold it.
0: So, okay. So we have to find the person to whom you sold it. Do you have their uh, their address? Their, <sighs> any, any contact information for them?
2: It's an NFT from 1999. Oh, i have, have, oh, yeah. have to look good. and see if I can find it.
0: NFT. Good luck with that, that you don't own that anymore. This other person no. does. <laughs>
2: That's right. I think that's what that means,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Doctor Johnson. While we're all brainstorming ways for us to appear less fringe and a little bit more mainstream, we in our, hate the fringe. We hate the fringe. <laughs> we hate the fringe. <laughs> we want I, I, you. You also have done quite a bit of study on on Virginia Clem.
2: Ah, yes, Virginia Clem. That's his aunt, actually, whom he lived with
1: for many years. It was she was his
2: aunt as well as his cousin. Well, you see, he, El- El- Eliza Virginia-, <laughs> Virginia Clem. There's, there's, there's Clem, his aunt, his 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 aunt through his wife, and then you're correct. There is Virginia Eliza Clem. Yes, uh,
0: Doctor Farnsworth. You, you must you... remember, we don't all have photographic encyclopedic <laughs> memories. There's going to be, I mean, again, very impressive <laughs> level of detail, but I think. Cousin, and that's, that's, that seems pretty close. Well,
1: it was well, pr- primarily his bride.
0: Hmm. Good point.
1: Now, I believe I have I have theories. That I, they
2: might they might be romanticized. I believe that Edgar Allan Poe married his cousin because he was an orphan. Because the Allens had never formally adopted him, and this was his only way of contractually binding himself to family. He. Mm. Married his thirteen-year-old cousin, and I believe that this was not a marriage that was consummated, no. because they never had children, and she was quite ill for a majority of the twelve years of their marriage.
1: I support that theory, and I and I will say that there is an old poem that goes around related to their marriage. Do <laughs> if you wouldn't mind me me reading it, the, I have I have a, all of my scripts. And documents yes. here the poem about. I hope about... it supports the idea that he
2: was actually in love with your great great
1: great great. Well, this was well that would have been his stepmother, so I hope not. This was oh, that's right, <laughs> father. Again,
0: n- no crypto, no <laughs> photographic <laughs> memories here. You know, we're all the other two of us, regular old,
1: you know, regular old people. <laughs> all right, here's the poem. <laughs> Marital bed, but not marital wed. These cock and balls uh, will not be fed by young Virginia Clem. She's way too sick. She'll have to find a heavenly dick when she goes away. For now, we must pray, unconsummated, the pose will stay. Perfect. That was a... Contemporary uh, poem written uh, after Poe's death by Rufus Wilmot Griswold. Oh, wow. I am so
2: surprised to hear that th- that was written by Griswold, <laughs> as Griswold being the arbiter of Poe's estate and someone with whom. He had a great falling out in his lifetime. Is actually the person who has sculpted most of who we know about Poe's death today. Yes, and, and, and actually
1: slandered him posthumously quite a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, speak more on that because I have my own pet theories, but I'd love to hear yours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As do I
1: Well,
2: you see, Edgar Allan Poe in his lifetime was actually he, he, he gained a lot of his income through literary criticism And he, was, he had many friends um, of whom most were writers And he would take them to task in whatever publication he <laughs> was writing for And he lost a great deal of friendship that way Hmm. And Rufus Griswold was his editor, and they had a great falling out when Edgar Allan Poe's cock and balls ended up in Griswold's wife. So yeah, that-
1: oh, <laughs> oh, <Whoa. laughs>
0: Um, Maury. Uh, well, uh, that's a Maury. that's a
1: bold bold statement. I mean, so many of uh, Poe's contemporaries—Herman Melville, Ralph Waldo Emerson, Henry David Thoreau, Henry Wald- Wadsworth Longfellow—all received the brunt end of Poe's knife and quill. So it makes sense that that he would have. Had relations with various wives out of revenge or anger. He was a ladies' man. I mean, that poetry. No, so many ravens and pale women and and uh, and people under the floorboards. The very stuff reeks of sex. Oh,
2: absolutely. He, I believe that Edgar Allan Poe, really just wanted a woman to hold still,
1: <laughs> just for one moment. That's. But just a little a little bit of time. Just enough time for his skellington to to, to settle into himself and, and set forth. Why here I
0: Yes. And I, I just want to interject and say that I believe he wrote all of these dark poems because that was his <laughs> Skellington. And the Skellington was attracted to the dark forces of the night and was trying to communicate to us um, that these were actual things in his I believe that Skellingtons are from another parallel universe, and that the stories and poems were actually real-life accountings of what happened. So, you know that uh, the raven actually happened to someone the Skellington knew from the Skellington verse and he was trying sad. to communicate and to, that down
1: down to us. And that was in relation to the Griswold. Thank you. <laughs> that was a what was that in
0: reference to? As it pertains to um, to Mr. Griswold, I believe. Uh, I don't know if doctors you're familiar with the uh, the legend of uh, Van Helsing, uh, Abraham Van Helsing, the famous uh, vampire hunter of Dracula fame. I believe Rufus Wilmot Griswold uh, was like a, a vampire hunter, but for skeletons, um, and that the animosity between the two gentlemen, um, you know, might have less to do with extramarital affairs and more that uh, Griswold was looking to put another uh, skeleton in his m- museum of, uh, of hunted and captured skeletons.
2: Fascinating. Now, Dr. Nostrom, you... I want to get back to your original thesis is that um, the dancing skeleton, mm-hmm. skeletons and how they, they continue to dance and this mm-hmm. this thesis being that Edgar Allan Poe faked his own death and continues to live. Yes. Where do... Where have you tracked Edgar Allan Poe currently?
1: Where hasn't he tracked Edgar Allan Poe? This guy. Bowling alleys. I told nights you. Out with those are boys. research. E- those everywhere are research events. I, not <laughs> coming <laughs> home until 2 o'clock the in the morning. Cemetery. Never getting I'm cemetery and crypts. I'm a cryptographer. Of women's perfume. I'm studying cryptography <laughs> of at the crypts. Booze. You have
0: to be there at the witching hour. Anyway. The bowling alley is important because the sound that the pins make when the ball hits the pins <laughs> sounds like bones. If you, If I was a skeleton. I would I would hear that and I would think, oh, that's where other dancing skeletons are. <laughs> I hear the bones, you know, jiggling and you know, gallivanting, and I'll go there. So that's why I went to the bowling alley all the time. I hope that make yeah. So that's that's to answer your question, Doctor Smith Johnson. Is I've been going to cemeteries, I've been going to bowling alleys, mostly those two, <laughs> late at night until early in the morning. I I haven't tracked. Edgar Allan Poe per se, but again I'm, I'm following what I believe are clues uh, listening listed in his writings, uh, so like if I see like a, a bird that might be a raven I think to myself that's going to take me to the dancing skeleton of Edgar Allan Poe uh, then I'll usually, as I'm following it, I might drive past you know, uh, Bolorama Stop there and think that that's where I was meant to be. You
2: believe that Edgar Allan Poe exists at modern bowling alleys due to the sound of the pins sounding like Oh, I see where the
0: confusion is coming from. I don't think that uh, the <clears throat> dancing skeleton of Edgar Allan Poe actually bowls. That would be preposterous. I do, however, believe that when any dancing skeleton, you know, it could be Edgar Allan Poe, uh, you know, it could be George Washington... Uh, you know, it could be Genghis Khan. <laughs> when they hear uh, a bowling alley, they might get confused and think that it's a congregation of fellow dancing So, But when they get there, they say, oh, that's not what this is. Mm. Uh, and I actually, I believe that that was the um, Annabelle Lee poem represents. Uh, that, you know, mm. uh, every time that the skeleton of Edgar Allan Poe goes to a bowling alley and discovers it is not, in fact a gathering of fellow dancing skeletons. that's his, you know, Annabelle Lee, the maiden who, you know, once loved him and is there no more.
1: This was a major force of discord in our professional relationship.
0: And our personal (laughs) I won't speak of this. Mm. Uh,
1: I personally believe Herman Melville murdered Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. And this is due to his literary criticism of Moby Dick, where he wrote, it's not a fish, it's a whale, too many chapters about fishing, boring, couldn't stand it, couldn't read it, wouldn't read it. Uh, Herman Melville took great offense to that and so brought a spear and uh, pierced his head. And that is how he died.
0: And now, Dr. Smith Johnson, that you know the terrible truth behind the divide between Dr. Ferngrass and I, I just want to know have, have you ever been in a relationship where you and your partner have so much in common, but there's just one thing that divides you and from which you cannot overcome?
2: Mm, yes. Yes, I've, I've experienced this.
0: Go, Go on.
2: on. My lover Caliban, we just couldn't agree upon a color for the banister. I very oh. much wanted it to be lead gray.
0: Good Poe-based color.
2: He wanted a lighter color and I thought, no. This is what hands go upon. It will become dirty. It will become dirty. This needs to be lead gray, functional, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Y- you would think that such a tiny thing wouldn't, could, could be overcome and we simply found that
1: it could not. Uh, that banister. reminds me a lot of the time that I pushed you over the balcony at your uncle's barbecue, Dr. Nordstrom, and you fell into the barbecue pit and singed your hand and then fell onto your grandmother's cake and I had to grow after you and I had to apologize. Very similar to the banister thing.
0: Yes, I, uh, I was of the opinion... That she should not have pushed me over the balcony. And into the I was over the sauce. opinion
1: that I should have because I found a napkin in his pocket that had another woman's lipstick on it, and I said, "This is uh, definitely not a bowling alley set of lips." So, uh, so yes, I could say that these are very similar well, uh, I, circumstances. I
0: also have to go to. Uh, there's another place I go to, which is CD nightclubs, because where's the skeleton gonna dance? And I have to, you know ask the opinions i've asked for rumors from locals as though this were some sort of like rpg you go to the tavern to find quests and hear rumors about local happenings and that's where they're gonna see a dancing skellington CD nightclubs and this uh, this one you know a uh, particularly lovely lady just wrote her phone number in lipstick and you know she did kiss it i
2: she wrote it in lipstick, I mean that's a that you I first was it area code as
0: well. It was air, it was country code and area code, which seemed a little because it was the United States, so just plus one.
1: How metropolitan? Well, Doctor Smith Johnson, I wouldn't want to keep you. I know you said that you had a literary reading to attend after you had us on, uh, but I wanted to to know you had talked about the topic Poe's contemporary meaning. And you said you had some words to say about the contemporary meaning of Poe. So where 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 do you stand on that, Doctor?
2: Uh, well, I believe that we can draw so much wisdom from Edgar Allan Poe. He made a lot of friends and then criticized them publicly. Uh, he he quite frankly he he didn't he didn't give two Beatles what anyone thought of him. And in the course of it, he died penniless and perhaps stabbed by a spear by his friend Herman Melville or <laughs> continues to dance on in the skeletons of our mind so <laughs> also
0: the literal skellingtons of seedy nightclubs
2: exactly and so i i just feel that in contemporary culture we have so much to draw from <laughs> not only not only from the conjectures of his private life but also but also from his from his li- great literary well, thank works. you and it,
1: it's been an honor being on today and I, and i really hope that you that you get published uh, at some point i hope we all get published
0: agreed uh-
1: or A tenure, tenure at the very least.
0: I'm not eligible for that, but I do hope that for both of both of you and Dr. Ferngrass, I hope one other thing. After hearing Dr. Smith Johnson's beautiful t- description of Edgar Allan Poe and his meaning throughout time into this modern day, I can't help but wonder: don't we have more in common than apart when it comes to our love of the father of darkness himself, Edgar Allan Poe? Eat.
1: I will be at the foot. Of a certain grave at eleven fifty-nine tonight, one minute before the witching hour. Oh, if the you there hour. I see, then perhaps once more your bride I shall be.
0: Uh Dr. Smith Johnson, can you help me out? I, I'm not good at riddles. I <laughs> I can you help
2: Baltimore! Go to Baltimore!
0: All right, I'm catching the first dollar bus out there. <laughs>
2: thank you so much for joining us here today godspeed good luck and remember the more you hoe the more you feel so low
0: this has been made up talk show part of the let's hear it network have a podcast or a podcast idea and want to get involved visit let's network that's let's hear